Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, folks, welcome back to this Mountain West Wire football podcast, MWWire.com. A couple days late, Jeremy here with Matt. Do do some, um, what do we got here, Matt? NFL Draft Talk, I believe, is the topic this week after the last show. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to discuss uh, who went where, guys who got screwed, and most likely later on, we got divisional football. Years in the making, you predicted this and wanted this for what, three years, Matt, essentially? Three seasons ago? Well, I mean, I wouldn't go that far to say that I predicted it. It was because, you know, yeah, so for for those of you, maybe, uh, you know what? I was going to say something. I'm going to pause on that. And if we get to yes. it later, we'll get to it later. We'll provide the context for it later. I just realized, let's move on and do the draft stuff. Let's talk draft we'll first, yeah. Yeah, we don't want to get halfway into two things. You're like, oh, we're done. See ya. And we got to nothing. So draft stuff. So... NFL draft was last weekend. It was better than last year where there was, what, three players drafted, I believe it was? Not many? Yeah. I mean, it was um, – I believe it was Ron Counts who put it out there that the Mountain West ended up having more players drafted than in any of the previous seven years, which, yeah. is, which is pretty good. You know, I think it was uh, 11 players altogether, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they did. They did a great job looking through. 
I do like, well, we'll get this one in a second, but there was no first round, not shocking. Trey McBride was the first guy off the board to the, uh, are we calling them the Mountain West Cardinals now? Is that the official name? We're now Cardinals and Cowboys fans. Is that how it works? Okay, let's Okay, as a, as a 49ers fan, I'm going to have to tap the brakes on both counts. But continue. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Dallas Cowboys or Bush State Broncos fans. Yeah. That's how it works. That's what it is. <laughs> so let's go with McBride. So what do you – that he goes to a pretty good spot in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Because especially now with – um. okay, I'm asking this. I follow the NFL to a degree. Probably a touch more than you, but we're kind of – more college obviously so the deandre hopkins things he's out for six games yes is it a joke it had a beaver tranquilizer is that a real thing i'm pretty sure that was a reference to something but i couldn't place it when i saw it on twitter dodgeball the dodgeball thing okay yeah then that that has to be what it was but i heard like i listened to nfl podcast today and they they weren't like it wasn't like joking it kind of seemed like oh we got busted for this this some random and they brought up that again so i'm like i don't know if that's legit or not but it's just uh, I'm like i'm like okay <laughs> no i think it was so, more like a tongue-in-cheek uh, tongue-in-cheek joke more than anything else that's what i'm hoping but so with they, what they have there in the cardinals because they have kyler murray obviously quarterback they don't have Christian Kirk, who was whatever left. Do they still have Keyshawn Johnson for Fresno State hanging around? No, he's on the practice squad with the the 49ers right now, if, I'm, if I remember oh, correctly. I had him on like some dynasty some dynasty team for, for fantasy. I'm like, oh, he'll be there in a couple of years. No, but so at, the, at this point, the Cardinals, not. you know, they, they drafted Trey McBride. They have Zach Ertz mm-hmm. at tight end. Yes. They also have Max Williams at tight end. So they got a, a trio of pretty, pretty good options there. Uh, Hopkins is still there. Uh, like you mentioned, Christian Kirk, he signed with Jacksonville, so he's no longer there. Uh, Andy Isabella's around, but I think there was rumors all throughout draft weekend they were going to trade him. Um, they traded for Hollywood Brown. They gave up, I believe, that first round pick for Hollywood Brown. Was, yeah, which they probably realized Hopkins gets suspended. They don't know it, so they fleeced the Ravens to get that whatever that trade. Yeah, they don't think of him in town. So, I mean, when Hopkins is in the lineup, like that's a pretty good set of, of pass catchers. Um, it's just that the problem was, as multiple people pointed out, the team was not nearly as good without Hopkins in the lineup over the last year or two than they have been you know when why? he's in the lineup. Because he's good, that's why. Yeah, because I'm a Texas fan, and he literally, he was the first receiver they finally got after, after Andre Johnson brought Hopkins, and Hopkins just surpassed him like in four games. It seemed mm-hmm. like. <laughs> he is legit future Hall of Famer in the making, or already is, I don't know. But McBride can find a spot there. Sick around, taking it to tight end early. And the way the Cardinals play, they they pass the ball a lot. They Cliff Kingsbury, wide open offense, what he wants to do. And that could be a spot where Zach Ertz is not young, but he's not like he'll be good enough. I think they traded for him too from the Eagles, I want to say a couple years mm-hmm. ago, maybe two seasons ago. So they have him there. And that's uh I think it's a there could have been better spots, but that's uh the way the tight ends being used, that's a not a bad spot where if they go two tight ends and maybe in those first six weeks or six games when Hopkins is out, maybe he'll get a little bit more look, but I I don't hate it. Yeah, I mean, I forget who it was that pointed it out, but, you know, the Cardinals all of a sudden have a lot of really big targets. You know, m- between McBride, Ertz, Max Williams, A.J. Green is still there. Uh, and true, yeah. they, they listed like four, five, six guys that were at least 6'3", which I, I off the top of my head seems pretty uncommon for for a, a group of nfl pass catchers um so i i think that that makes for like a really interesting sort of 
you know, how that's going to work out, especially for a team that, you know, with Murray Anderson or even with James Conner in the backfield hasn't been shy about being a pass first team. And so I'm really interested to see sort of what that workload or, or rather what that, what those shares, I guess you might say, end up looking like with all the, with all the mouths to feed. And you've seen guys like uh, who's a Dalton Knox at Buffalo come on pretty quickly, like year two. So I'm betting McBride's more of a, not just this year, but year or two number. Like, That's probably what they're counting on, yeah. That's what I think, because Earth is kind of on his way out. So here's the first guy taken. Who um, I'm trying to look on your list here that you updated. Most well, okay, so the, Ares, the, the Cardinals picked up another guy in round three, Cameron Thomas. It's true. Oh yeah, sorry. My I'm look. I I wish we did it by team. I'm going through. Yeah, Cameron Thomas. They also drafted. Uh, they also drafted. The, didn't they draft two at? Oh, McBride, Thomas, or Rivers, right? They Rivers signed. They the signed a couple got, more as free agents. Uh, yeah, they signed Rod, Ronnie Rivers as a free agent. But Cameron Cameron Thomas going there, like there's at some point, like I remember, like one of the first mock drafts. He was a first round guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to potentially be that type of guy. We saw the production he had. How many sacks you had the quarterback, TFLs, QB hurries. And it's something Arizona needed because they were, like I mentioned, they throw a lot, they pass all don't score points. If I recall, and again, we're not NFL experts, I don't think they were that great on defense last year. And adding him like well, they've, they've invested they've invested a lot on that side of the ball. And I can't remember if we if we talked about it off the air before we recorded last week's podcast. But, you know, that's a team that's invested a lot in their linebackers in particular. Like, they went back-to-back first-rounders with, uh, with uh, what's his name, I, Isaiah Simmons? And, and the other guy whose name, is, whose name escapes me. But, like, you know, they've, they've put a lot of, of, of draft capital to finding athletes on that side of the ball who can keep up and, and do a lot of different things in the modern NFL. And I think that Thomas definitely fits that mold because – you know, if, if, and I put this out there on Twitter, if the first round of the draft especially taught us anything, like the NFL is all about the pass. You either, you, you've got to have yeah. someone who, you've got to have someone who can throw. You've got to have someone who can catch. Or, and if you don't have those things, you better have people who can get after the quarterback or can make another quarterback pay for those mistakes, which is why you only saw the one QB, Kenny Pickett, getting picked in the first round. And it was otherwise a cavalcade of, of offensive tackles receivers. and cornerbacks and receivers and edge rushers. And that, I think, is what, what the Cardinals are really getting after and picking both uh, Thomas and McBride with, the, you know, two of the, with their first two picks. It was sort of emblematic of, of one of the big narratives from the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's part of it, too. But like, if you look at like defensive guys, like even Vita, what's it, Vita Vea from Bucks plays like 25 plays, but look at what he does out there. Yeah. You have Aaron Donald, you have all these guys, you have the Bosa. Well, that was that was brothers. what they were talking. They were talking about, I forget who was, who was it said it, but they talked about like Jordan Davis from Georgia as, yeah. as being Vita so Vea. If, if Vita Vea could run like a 4 8. Yeah. That'd <laughs> be even more scary if you could do that. Which is a terrifying <laughs> prospect. It's like a, like a creative player in Madden or something like that. Yeah, my guy is six foot eleven, three hundred and eighty-four pounds. Outside linebacker runs a four six. He's he's Clarence Beep Tank. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, he like he's not gonna play a million plays just because he his energy takes so much to get him going. Yeah. But yeah, what Thomas could do on the edge, that's if it works, like they're in the um same division as the Niners. They have the Cardinals, Niners. Um, Seahawks, Seahawks and the Rams. Bronco? Oh, and the Rams. So 
Seahawks are going to be the worst, obviously, with all they're doing. Cardinals would be – Cardinals could win that division, maybe. Niners are really good, too, but not saying that Thomas is going to do it. But, like, they're in potential. Well, the Hopkins thing doesn't help, but they're a good team that's a playoff contender at, at worst. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where they're doing that. Yeah. Who else did the – so let's just kind of keep with that Cardinals team. They picked up Ronnie Rivers, who, again, on, four, on my end, you smarted me out that did not get drafted, wasn't going to get drafted, got picked up. If you're telling me your running back is um, what's his name? Um, shoot, who'd you say, Collins? Who's your running uh, back? James, James Connor. James Connor, who couldn't stay healthy in Pittsburgh. You're telling me Ronnie Rivers can't find a spot in that team for what he does? I mean, he probably could. They don't really have anybody else behind him at this point because Chase yeah. Edmonds signed elsewhere as a free agent, did yeah. he not? I believe, yeah, ninety percent sure he's gone. But the Cardinals were. I, I'm like, two, I'm like two months. I'm like two months away from looking at NFL depth charts for fantasy football season, so I can't remember all. Well, I know. I remember <laughs> last. What 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 I do know. The reason I bring it up not just because of these are I'm checking now, which we should do before, but they would always play multiple running backs. It's like you never never know who you're going to play for the Cardinals because exactly it's going to be Chase Edmonds, going to be this guy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the correct. Maybe you know Benjamin from Arizona State from a couple years ago. He's so he's a young guy there, but that's about it. Like you have uh, Katanaway Ingram or whoever that is. I don't know. But what I'm saying, what I'm getting at is, I think maybe he's a drafted guy. But Ronnie Rivers, how versatile he is, I don't see why he can't be like that last guy on the roster, possibly. Because yeah, I would agree if, with if, that. If you could do a, like I said a million times, like if you do a million things in the NFL. You are gonna you're gonna be good. Like you're gonna make roster. Like, well, I don't. The Calvin Turner he didn't get picked up anywhere, did he? As he right got now? invited to the Forty Enders mini camp. Yeah, mini camp. Okay, but if you could do multiple things, you're gonna find a spot to take over a roster spot on somebody. So that that and the Forty Enders love carrying like seventeen running backs on the roster. So who was they last year that came out of week week one and like blew, like he was undrafted guy and like blew it up? Like uh, wasn't that like uh, Elijah Mitchell? Yeah, like, Eli Mitchell, a, yes. yeah, I think he was. A, I think he was a seventh round pick, but yeah. Oh, something super late. So at the end, but like he, what River, like his skill set. Like we'll see Calvin Turner. Maybe with the Niners, you're more familiar with what they do. They bring in a million backs and what Shanahan does there. But I like River. Like I gushed about last time. Like that game versus Arizona State, the Vegas Bowl a couple years ago, is what he could be in the NFL. Because here's the thing, NFL. Like we're not an NFL show, but there's now 17 games, extra game in the season. Mm-hmm. There's very few, not to say Derrick Henry, but guys who run the ball as much as that maybe not as effective. You don't have Adrian Peters, you don't have Derrick Henry, and all these. You don't have all these guys who are going to run the ball twenty something times. So Rivers can come in and get fifteen snaps somewhere and do maybe make a team. I don't know, but that'll be good. All right, any other Cardinals we get to, or should we just kind of go back to draft order here? No, we can go back to draft order. All right, so. Sorry, my internet stopped on me. What's the next? Uh, who's the next group of guys you're getting? To? I'm trying to pull my tab here. So let's awesome. talk about Chad Buma going to Jacksonville. Who drafted all the defensive edge linebackers? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think as I was watching the draft and and Buma got selected in round in the middle of round three, it seemed like a lot of people were confused about what Jacksonville was trying to do, and it had to do less with with Buma individually and more with the fact that they had already drafted Devin Lloyd as well. Well, they traded up to get him as well. And their first yeah, pick too. was a defensive player, too. Yeah, Trayvon Walker. The first round get, Trayvon Walker, yeah. Don't, don't know all the names. Don't shoot us, guys. But they obviously number one overall pick, took him, traded back in the first round to get Devin Lloyd, then they draft Chad Muma there in the third round. It's like, I get with their offense, they have Travis Etienne coming back, who missed all of last year, and they signed a million guys like uh, 
Did Chris, is that where Christian Kirk went? He went to Jack. Yeah, Miller. him, him, and Evan Ingram. Yeah, a couple receivers. They brought in all his offensive guys, so maybe they're trying to balance that out. But oof, I, it's it's a see that's a spot where it may not be the best fit for him just because of what they've already drafted. And but again, if you're a third round guy, you're expected to play some. But they're also so bad. Like, well, he'll go in there and make plays and make Wyoming proud and hang out with um, whoever, former Wyoming players on the team as well. So, Andrew Wingard. I always forget. For some reason, I want to say something else. I'm glad you brought it up. The Wingard. We have a Wingard effect when you get to the end of the show. I think to see who might make it that way. Maybe, he's my, my, maybe it's Rivers. That's my pick. But but it is, a, it is a peculiar pick that they take him there. And it's. I hope it works out. But when you draft three guys to the first, what, four or five picks, all basically your same position or group, that's going to be a tough spot to see the field for him. So I don't know mm-hmm. how well that'll ultimately work for him as a fit-wise, unless he just blows it up, which he could. It's just there's a little bit more resistance in front of him now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so, so let, me, let me ask you this then. Yes. Because this seemed to be one of the big stories, especially on the third day of the draft. How surprised were you that Khalil Shakir fell as far as he did? Did PFF explode because they thought he'd be amazing for the draft pick? It seemed like everybody was exploding. And, and, and again, I feel like that has less to do with Shakir and more to do the, with the fact that there was a ton of wide receiver talent this year's draft, which is not to say that if, if I were in a war room making some of those picks that, you know, I, I, probably would have been more tempted to pick Shakir just as, as someone who watched him week after week for, for a few yeah. years. Um, so like, you know, case in point, who's the guy that the Patriots took in the second round? Tyquan Thornton from Baylor? I don't, I'm not sure. I thought this was really sure. fast, but, um, but, but also, so is Shakir. And, and then, part of it, injury potentially is what I'm looking over at a uh, Buffalo rumbling, rumbling to talk about maybe his, potential injury stuff he had because he had mm-hmm. multiple injuries throughout his career but it's but also I'm, looking at but sprains and strained it's nothing like foot fracture whatever you break your foot yeah but it was like, also just, sort of surprising not, to see some of the players who ended up going ahead of him you know because like you know which it's not a one-to-one comparison but like daniel bellinger for example got picked in the fourth yeah. round um going to the new york giants and then romeo dubs also got picked in the fourth round which well, Bellinger's a sort of, that's a little bit different scenario. Yeah, yeah, but and so like Dubs going ahead of of Shakir surprised me just because I thought that you know again given the fact that there was a ton of wide receiver options in this year's draft combined with the fact that he didn't really get to perform during the pre draft process, I thought that that would sap his draft stock a little more than it actually did. But you know he ended up in a really good situation. He's going to be catching passes from Aaron Rodgers now. Um, which is not to say that Shakir ended up in a bad situation because now he's in Buffalo. You know, it took him Here's until the, the fifth round to get there, but I, it's really hard to imagine a better situation for him to walk into. Yeah, I was going to say, these two guys might be, like I'm trying to scroll through who got drafted where I just kind of double-check everything, but those two players, because in Buffalo they lost a uh, freaking Cole Beasley, who's whatever, is not, not a fan of his because mm-hmm. he's a jerk and an idiot. But... Josh Allen throws two million different receivers. They lose Cole Beasley, who is productive. Shakir's as faster than Cole Beasley, probably going to be eventually a better receiver than him. That's an amazing spot. Those two guys might be the best. Like, if we're going to go through who can have the best season for the Mountain West this year from the rookies, it's probably, I'm going to go with Dub, Romeo Dubs, just because Aaron Rodgers likes to chuck the ball, right? 
Like we saw, like yeah, and they don't have a, they don't have a ton of like established options, you know. At, yeah. Especially after having traded Devonte Adams to Las Vegas, you know they they still have you know Marquez Valdez Scantling. They still have mm-hmm. you know Alan Lazard. Uh, but I mean, none of, those, none of those guys are going to scare you as like a, as a down the field threat in the same way that Dubs might. So yeah, he might go out and carve up a role, even if he's not going to go out and be like a thousand yard receiver right away. No, you know, neither, neither is Shakir, but you know, Shakir, and I, and I can't remember who put the, the comparison out there, but he might just be like Buffalo's next Gabriel Davis. Why you not? Know, like, that was the playoff game, whatever it was. Yeah. Like if, if you paid attention to UCF, like you knew he was a really good you know, receiver coming out, in, I think, what was it, three or four years ago? Um, yeah. and, and if memory serves, he was also a fifth-round draft pick. So, because that's what they brought yeah. up every, that game versus the Chiefs and back and forth. He was, yeah, so not not the end of the world for someone like Shakir to be, you know, catching passes from, from an all-pro quarterback and, and not necessarily having the pressure of needing to be the number one guy either. You know, just, he's you know, going to be on a team that's going to, that's odds on favorite to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He's going to an MVP caliber quarterback team or Josh Allen. They have they've got Matariza going to Buffalo mm-hmm. to do it, do what he does there. We get the putting situation in a minute, but those two guys I think are in the best spots out of drafted guys to make the biggest impact in year one. Cameron I, Thomas and I think that I would potentially, agree. But Jacksonville being so bad and other players in that same group would be quite difficult. Like nobody else, especially mostly offensive guys. Nobody's going to go out and be a lockdown corner or anything. Mm-hmm. Year one's rookie starter, not going to put like Gardner and those guys out there, or David Singletary, who the Texans drafted. Nothing like that, but I could just, I like, I could see, here's what you could see, Matt. Like you're doing your fantasy football. It's like, okay, Packers, what's going on? Nope. Oh, somebody's hurt. What's going on? Like, ah, oh, just go choose dubs. I could see, I'm not kidding, have a game where he's three for 110 and a touchdown or something like that. And one of those is like a 60-yard touchdown reception. Well, yeah, I mean, we, like, we saw that plenty of times I in Nevada. I, I don't, I'm just saying, like, that wouldn't surprise us if we were to have a game where he had 100 something. Like, here's a good comparison. Like, I think I said it before, he could be like Wolf, Will Fuller, but better if he's not injured. Because Will Fuller at the Texans, and now I think he's with the Dolphins or something, mm-hmm. I don't know where exactly he's at. He would just be this super robust guy, even after multiple years in the career in the NFL, but he gets hurt. I could see him being that type of guy, not boomer bust, but having. And a couple of catches, but have like a hundred yards and a touchdown and getting 20 yards of reception. That tracks. Like that would not shock me if you would do that. And that's a cool fit. Mm-hmm. So did you, are you sure? How shocked were you that Deron Bland got drafted by the Cowboys? Only if you weren't paying attention. There was somebody on Twitter put out there. I've been holding, who, I forget who it was. I know he retweeted it. They're like, I, they're like, I held on to this thing in my camera roll to tweet out of some Fresno players saying, um, he would be. It was Jalen Cropper from a year ago. Yeah, it was, it was. It was. It was somebody. What, it was somebody what. who like knows both players. Um, and I forget. Yeah. Her, I forget her name. It was just like somebody who had been at the spring game and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, like you know, Bland is exactly the kind of player where like if you weren't paying attention to Fresno State all year long, you know, and, and, and I imagine, and I imagine <laughs> a lot of, I imagine a lot of Cowboys fans out there were probably like, okay, who is this guy? But, like, this is a guy who was also really good for Sacramento State for two years before that as well. And, and even though it took him a little while to crack the starting lineup, he was, he was the best cornerback on the team by the end of the season. So, you know, and, and, I, and I think it was Marcus Mosher who put it out there that, 
drafting Bland was sort of a part of a larger strategy that the Cowboys were employing. And, and, and for our listeners out there, I think it's a, I forget the guy's name, but I know his Twitter handle is at MathBomb. He does that relative athletic score. Okay. And, and long story short, what the Cowboys did, and, and you can go look this up on Marcus Mosher's timeline, but the Cowboys, I think each of their first seven or eight picks had a relative athletic score, RAS for short, at least of at least eight, I think, all but one of them maybe. And, and Bland was, was one of those ones that had a really high athletic score. And a lot of other people were talking about how, like, he's a guy who has traits. You know, he has length, he has size. And, you know, even if he's not going to go in there and, like, you know, compete for a starting spot right away, like, he should be able to go in there and contribute and, and be one of those guys to defend against a modern NFL passing attack. So, uh, you know, it, it, was yeah. sort of a, it was sort of a surprise to see him go so early but I wasn't surprised to see him drafted. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So do should we get to punting situation now, which was just bonkers and weird? The disrespect. Oh, that's where you're going. So tell us why I disrespect it for Stonehouse and Matt Ariza. Again, we we saw Ariza <laughs> do something that nobody else has done. And 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 this is you know, Ryan Stonehouse as well. Like you're talking about record setters. And and I understand that, you know, some of the you know things that people were seeing on film about like you know hang time and things like that. But I mean, that, that was never a problem for Stonehouse. So why wasn't he drafted? Um, and also like, again, these, these are two guys who kicked the ball farther on average than anybody else in college football last year. And Stonehouse is the guy who's kicked the ball farther on average than literally everybody else in the history of the game. So to see two, three guys go ahead of both of those guys, like, you know, as somebody who watches the Mountain West, you know, you, you can't help but take that a little bit personally. Well, even Ariza, he got national publicity every other week. Mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering. I mean, I understand, I, I understand that publicity isn't everything. I know, but but still, when you're kicking at 80, 90 yards, you can basically let the ball drop on a dime at, inside the one and go roll out of bounds. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like, you mentioned hang time. 
it was rise. I remember reading one of the many articles about him where he just he doesn't care. He just kicks as hard as he can. Yeah, he's like, I'm not gonna hang time. Be damned. I'm just gonna kick it and put it in a spot where it's gonna be good for our team. Mm-hmm. Does the NFL want hang time? So it's just a fair catch. Like maybe that's what they're looking for. But that doesn't dis- that dismisses what Stonehouse can do essentially. But they want just so it's up in the air forever. So the guy has no chance to return it because I. That's the only thing I can think of where my maybe he went lower and Stonehouse is undrafted, but it's still weird. Where okay, I'm at the. What would you rather have? Like if your team, you, we've seen a rise of kicking eighty yard punts in the air, not rolling or bouncing in the air. He's kicked it that far, essentially. Mm-hmm. But wouldn't, wouldn't you rather have a guy from you're kicking at the basic? Because typically, think about it, if you're in the NFL and you you kick from the end zone like it's a snap, but you're kicking right around the goal line. They're hoping to get it just past midfield, midfield essentially. Yeah. If you have this guy who could kick it, not line drive, but kind of a direct thing going 70 yards, wouldn't you rather have that? I don't know because I guess if it's higher, obviously the guys can go down there and he fair catch the weights, but it only goes 50 yards. Mm-hmm. But if he goes 70, are they afraid it's, the team can't get down there quick enough to make the tackle that he'll gain that extra yard unless you kick it straight up? I don't know. Yeah, he's know. good at putting it where it should be. That's what they can think of. Like he's just, I'm just gonna kick it as hard as I can, and where it should go. It tended to tended to work out most of the time last year. I don't understand it. I know that's the point. Like there, he's not doing the he's not doing that real weird Aussie thing where it runs upside. He may have a slight delay or stutter step, like the rugby really. kicking or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, not the little you running up to the side. He'd hold it. He he would do base up ninety five percent of the traditional could get it. He may take a, a, a stud or a couple steps and just boom it, but he wasn't wasn't running to the side and kicking it very often. Mm-hmm. It's I I don't know, but he could, hey, guess what? He he could be on the Super Bowl champion team and he could make a big play when it's oh they're in the back of the end zone. He kicks it to the other thirty yard line. Look at the kick! Oh MVP for a Super Bowl. He's seventy yards away now. They 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 can't kick the easy field goal to win it. They have to go another 30, twenty extra yards because they got booted to the other end of the field. Yeah. He could be a like again multiple positions. He could kick if they really need to. So they don't need to carry an extra kicker. I don't know how much that would go into it, but I, it's but Stonehouse not being drafted. That's the real disrespect there. Yeah, and he ended up going to the Eagles. Is that right? Stone no, Tennessee. he ended up getting signed by Tennessee. That's right. Signed. Anybody else drafted? We missed. We've gone through quite a few. I don't recall. Well, okay, so they're Jordan Jackson. Selected there. Zach Thomas, yeah. Oh, Jordan Jackson Air Force, yes, correct. Yeah, went to uh, New Orleans. And they're all able to play now, right? They don't have to sit out or anything. They got some like, exemption to do their service. Yeah, if they, if they make the team, it's full speed ahead. Was that the most – what was more surprising, Jordan Jackson? Jordan Jackson, Jordan Jackson getting picked or Deron Bland getting picked? I, I, I feel like, generally speaking, we – we as a as a conference fan base probably were more familiar with Jackson over the long run than we were with Bland. And I think that's mostly a consequence of Bland only having been with Fresno State for a year. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas with Jackson, we had three years to realize, oh yeah, this guy, this is a guy who can get after the quarterback. And he did it at a high level as well. Yes. Saints, they need some help. So they're not really a great defensive team. But they're they're also Gina, not in a great division either. No, they got the they're in the eight, they got the Falcons. They got Tampa. That's about it. And uh, who else is in there? Not ten, ten. 
uh, NFC South, Carolina. Carolina. Who's if Chris not, not a good healthy, team. If CMC is healthy, then that's a different story. But even then, they wouldn't be like a world beater. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a decent fight. He can go sack Tom Brady and tell his kids about it. I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I got this guy who's 45 years old and tackle him. Awesome. Um, let's get to this. Let's go to Cole Turner. He ended up going to Washington, which is not great because they have Logan Thomas, who's uh, pretty good, and then John Bates as well. So what is their thinking? They don't have a quarterback, really. <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're not a believer in Carson Wentz? Where's my last track? No, of course not. Yeah, you're not a believer in, in, in quarterback of the future, Sam Howell? No, I'm not. <laughs> are you? I know. I was I was mostly being tongue cheek. <laughs> no, I know you are. But I'm like, wait, is there something you, you're a secret? And Taylor Heineke? No. Um, no, okay. But, but here, here's the thing about Turner relative to, to Thomas and, and Bates. It's like he's a wide receiver. He's more of a pass catcher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you jest, but like, you know, Bates is primarily like a, like an inline you know, blocking, which is not to say that he can't go down the field and catch passes, but that's not like his primary duty. Yeah, I would say that, you know, Thomas is is maybe the guy that's sort of in between where, you know, maybe jack of all trades, master of none, but Mm. Turner's the guy you can put in the slot and, you know, ask him to go up and get a fade route. Yeah, especially, especially in the red zone. We saw him do it hundreds, you know, hundreds of times with Nevada. And so I think in that way like if, if he can get acclimated to the speed of the, of the pro game you know maybe he won't come out and like light the world on fire but i think he can go there and be a contributor just because there's really nobody else on that roster that's equipped to do things that he is capable of doing okay i'm gonna show my disres- not disrespect my non-full nfl challenge um was it Logan thomas a quarterback first of virginia tech and then moved to a tight end during his nfl career that is correct Culture Turner starter day no I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean Logan Thomas is pretty pretty uh, I, good as a tight end. You know, they 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 yeah. gave him that treatment, that the same treatment they actually gave uh, uh Armani Rogers, former UNLV quarterback turned Ohio tight end. Exactly. So that I mean, yeah, he's a decent job. I was looking through him like I knew Bates is young. I didn't realize Logan Thomas was I thought he's younger, but he's 30. And for a tight end, whatever else is gonna be, that's a that could be a decent fit. That could be if he could where... take a little pressure off of Terry McLaurin. I think that entire offense would be a lot happier all the way around. Yeah. And we joke Carson Wentz not great, but he's also not terrible. He's just like, yeah, he's just okay. I'd rather have him than probably Marcus Mariota in Atlanta, right? Maybe yes, because <laughs> he was on Vegas forever. Languishing when they, it's also telling when uh, when the Raiders still keep like Nate Peterman and Marcus Mariota, just because. <laughs> Yeah, oh you, you'll never you'll never be able to convince me that Nate Peterman is an NFL quarterback anymore. No, no, no. But my point being, you have to keep him on there, and you also have Marcus Mariota because yeah, yeah. Trust Mariota. I get what you're saying. <laughs> All right, a couple other guys. Let's see. We had Cole Turner, uh, Matt Arise, We mentioned he's got pick Cameron Thomas, Zachary Thomas, offensive lineman. Fine, cool Bears. We'll see. Um, I don't. Do, I don't do, they, do they have Do they have anybody to throw to yet in Chicago? Is um I know they Alan drafted Robinson I know I believe they drafted uh Bellis Jones. Yeah, Alan Robinson's not there anymore. It's something it's weird. Like I I'm most I was looking at their depth chart before the draft. I don't think it's been updated for the draft. Uh their number one wide receiver is Darnell Mooney. Ugh. 
which uh, good, cool. good, good luck with that, I guess. Who's your quarterback there? Is it, are they still it's Justin back? Fields. Oh, Lord, gee, that's – I don't want to – it's it's the Bears. It's weird. They, it's going to be it's going to be I, rough. It's going to be a minute for them. But, but hopefully Thomas can have a role in keeping him on his feet a little more often this year. Him or whoever. They have, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Andy Dalton, they have Trubisky. I don't know who else is on their team anymore. But. No, it's it's literally Justin Fields and, and the immortal Trevor Simeon. Oh, my gosh, Trevor Simeon. At least he's not Chase Daniel, I guess, but he's somewhere being a backup, catching those checks. There you go. So, so as, as for the guys who did not get selected, I mentioned Ronnie Rivers, who I think has a decent chance. Anybody else, not not many camp invites. Those are hard to decide. But if you get a sign like Scott Patchen, CSU got signed by the Colts. Mm-hmm. Those type of guys, who out of those, like Aaron Mosby might be a pretty good option. Cortez Davis from Hawaii went to the or excuse me, Broncos. Do you have any particular guys you're looking at who may have got a sign? Like we can get to Carson Strong in a minute here. But anybody you kind of first glance like, oh, he's a decent chance to make the team. Yeah. I mean, if, if we're going to talk about guys that I was mildly surprised didn't actually get drafted, I'm I'm thinking about Taylor Hawkins, San Diego State cornerback yeah. who ended up signing with San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Because San Francisco did not have a lot of cornerbacks. So, you know, they were really sort of patching it together by the end of last year at that position. And it seems to me like if you can go out and, and impress in, in minicamp and, and go out and impress throughout the fall, that he should have a pretty decent chance of securing a roster spot. And even if he's not a starter, like he should be able to play and see a fair bit of action on, you know, somewhere on the, on the depth chart. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, is Car- Carson Strong probably not going to make the, the Eagles, is he? I mean, who else do they have? They have Jalen Hurts, right? And they want to trade Jalen Hurts. They're just talking about. Actually, I think there's a possibility because they were talking about drafting a quarterback. Like there was some rumor about Kenny Pickett to them, and they're so they have they have their depth chart right now is I believe it's just Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew the second. That's right. But they got tra- tra- traded. And and while while I think it is definitely fair to say that Strong is closer to Minshew than he is to Hurts, um, I think it's also yeah. fair to say he probably has a better arm than Minshew too. Yeah. I so so obviously also... so obviously they aren't going to run the same kind of offense if he ever does end up under center than they than they do with Hurts. But you know, all of a sudden he's ending up in a really intriguing situation where. You know he's he's not going to have to go in and 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 play week one right away or anything like that. He's going to go in and be able to learn and be part of a really suddenly stacked offensive unit. You know they still got Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell in the backfield. They just traded for AJ Brown. You know they have Devonte Smith. You know I didn't even realize the Saints they signed Zach Pascal from Indianapolis, who has been very quietly a pretty good receiver for the last two or three years. Uh, Dallas Goder at tight end. So, I mean, yeah, did it suck that he didn't get drafted because of the medicals? Yeah. But I think all things considered, you know, especially with the news that came out afterwards about the fact that there were a dozen teams that were bidding for his services as a free agent and that Philadelphia ultimately gave him what was a pretty hefty contract by UDFA standards. I think Philadelphians, they're, they're in a position where they're, they're invested in making sure that he succeeds. In, to some capacity. So I don't think he's going to play right away. We probably won't see much of him for a year or two, unless something goes catastrophically wrong. 
But I don't think they would have invested so much money in him as an undrafted free agent if they didn't have some plan for him or some idea of what he could what do in the future. Isn't isn't like his deal partially guaranteed at three hundred thousand or something? Like yeah, that? yeah, I believe so. I don't remember the signing bonus. It's like it's like the JJ thing people saw on Twitter where the knee, the Jai just the no cartilage in the knee, so he fell out of there. Mm. But Strong had two injuries, end of the year and in the offseason year before. It's just where, because there's talk like last year, I remember in one of the first mocks, which is Delvin Fluke out of this time last year, like Matt Miller had him as like a top 10 quarter, top 10 player. Mm-hmm. Like number, I remember number one quarterback overall last year. And he kind of mentioned kind of blowed up. Like he can play, but this system, like you're right, he's not going to play unless John Hurts gets hurt yeah. or something gets injured. And then Hurts is a mobile guy. And so Strong just kind of sits back there a little bit. So he'll probably, they have this guy named Matt, or excuse me, not Matt, Reed Sinnett. Sinnett, I don't know who that is, mm-hmm. was recently picked up from Jacksonville, or excuse me, from Miami. I'm not sure if our lads, uh, they have like these little abbreviations after a guy, like Minchu says T, he would, and he says W, so maybe a, way, a waiver claim it looks like, here we go, mm-hmm. last year. So I don't know what he's up to. He's from San Diego, not San Diego State, San Diego, the Toreros. So <laughs> when he played in college a couple of years ago, so I don't know. It's a... Uh, it's a tough spot to get drafted, especially with so many. You'd think he would have with how lackluster the quarterback class was. You figured he'd get picked somewhere, but mm-hmm. uh, not the case, man. Yeah. Any other final draft thoughts about besides our tracker that's being updated? Everybody should check out if we add a few more this week, which I don't. I think we're finished with it because it's we're recording here on a. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm planning to keep an eye on it for another day or two in case there are any more mini camp invites or free agent deals. But I think, you know, with the forty some odd names that have that have signed to this point, I would be surprised if there were any more. Although, I, I can we can we talk about it a minute for, you know, the one or two guys that I thought would get a mini camp invite or or a free agent deal and yeah. haven't. I- because I have a couple guys I want to talk about as well. But yes, go ahead. With because you know we ended up doing something like. 30 some odd individual profiles right and all but all but two of them either got drafted got signed as a udfa or got some kind of minicamp invite or two or four in some cases i think i'm looking at one guy who got nothing right now and i'm very two two guys to my knowledge right now we're recording this on on may 4th wednesday may 4th jared smart wide receiver from hawaii correct and Utah State linebacker Justin Rice. I don't get how Rice wasn't taken in any in any aspect. Invite, minicamp, free agents. I that doesn't I don't understand. Neither do I. <laughs> Jared Smart, I could kind of get, but Rice, like first team all Mountain West, all conference Sunbelt, had amazing career in college. I don't do you have any explanation of why? Is it a size thing? Is it- That's about the only thing I could think of. Is is you know, without the elite size, you need elite speed. And you know, with what he put up at the pro day, he was you know okay all the way around. But you know, sometimes at the pro level, like being okay is maybe not necessarily enough when when teams are looking for like traits, I guess you might say. So, you know, without one standout tool, it's, 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 I mean, and of course, this is a lot of conjecture from somebody who's not as informed as other guys, you know, out there, like on at draft wire or touchdown wire or whatever. Yeah. 
but you know, again, we've seen this guy play for you know two, three years, and he has performed everywhere he's been. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of defense you're running, doesn't matter who you're playing against. He's a guy who racks up tackles, gets into the backfield, you know, he creates turnovers. So yeah, I just you know, and again, he maybe something gets picked up in the next day or two, and and we can you know see if he has a change of fortune. But right now, I don't get it either. Yeah, that that's a, and then also Calvin Turner didn't get picked up either. Did he? He got a mini camp in, but oh, mini camp. Oh, we're talking about this. Sorry, I was looking at this. Well, here's the one somebody who I'd look at the guys who might be able to make it at least make it to training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Nick Stark with the Jets might actually be able to have a shot there. They have freaking Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson, and I don't think they have another quarterback. So there's a potential there to maybe at least get to get to training camp to be maybe their third quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers seem to find running backs regardless. They, they brought picked up Charles Williams from minicamp. That's true. I think there could there could be some potential there because we talked about James Conner. He left from uh, Pittsburgh what two years ago. Mm-hmm. They have a oh, what do they have? Oh shoot, I'm not going to think about. It. They have some. I, I could vaguely think of name, but he might have a shot. Um, I hope Turner could, but that's maybe another offense. Devin Tompkins with the Bucks. I only got Mike Evans. I have a million tight ends. Um, they have who else is there? Well, I think they it was. I, I, I believe it was Luke Easterling who who covers Tampa Bay for for the Bucks Fire. I, I, I believe. He, but does, he, yeah. he said, with regards exactly. to Tompkins in particular, like if he was going to push anybody on the roster, it'd be Jalen Darden, who was a guy from North Texas. I believe they drafted him last year. He was like a fourth round pick, uh, either a year or two ago. But you, he's a similar kind of guy where he's he's definitely undersized, maybe for the pro game. But you know, both of those guys have wheels, uh, so you know they have speed, if not necessarily size. And, and if it's sort of like a head-to-head competition for what you might call like what the fifth or sixth wide receiver spot, then maybe that's where that competition comes down to. He just better hope uh, Rob Gronkowski can't give it to Julian Edelman and unretired. That's guy. not going to happen. <laughs> it's not. I think Gronk's like trying to see what he can get. I want this guy. I want this guy. I saw yeah. it the other day. I'm like, isn't Edelman retired like two years ago or something? <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, but I, this... I do like that. Oh, I'm sorry. You were going to say? No, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, by that same measure, another guy I wouldn't overlook as far as guys who got invited to mini camps is uh, Jake Stats from Boise State because you know if he's healthy. You know, the, the, the name of the game for offensive linemen at the pro level is versatility. And that's a guy who could play all three interior spots. And, you know, if he and he's getting a couple of shots to try and make a roster, he's, I believe, headed to mini camps for both Seattle and Denver. Um, and, and you have to imagine at least one of those teams is probably in need of some offensive line help. I'm thinking of the Seahawks in particular. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if he's 100%, you know, he's already proven that he can be, you know, the linchpin for for an offensive line that's in transition. And, you know, he can, he's, he doesn't have a lot of like glaring weaknesses in his game. He's just solid all the way around. So even if he doesn't step in and, and play as a starter right away, I, I can see him competing for a roster spot and being a part of an offensive rotation in a year or two. I could tell also Manny Jones, the Cardinals. That too, yeah. Possibility. He's what he was a uh, 
is this a free agent signing? Is it, yeah, that's a free UDFA. Agent? He was a free agent. Sorry. Yeah, I was, look, I was looking, just making sure, because you, no, you put all these notes like free agent camp. I'm actually on the, the free agent tracker page. Because yeah. what he did defensively for the Rams, very good possibility. Uh, Underappreciated for uh, like the last Broncos. four or five years. Because they've been terrible. And so it's hard to, when you don't win games and your defense levels out the points, but you're still doing well, it's hard to stand out. Um, trying to say anybody else. Terry Wilson got a mini camp from the Cowboys. I'd also like to point out Derek Grace Bell. Jr. Oh, where did he go? Well, yeah. coincidentally, he yeah, both both Deese and Detroit. Bell end up with Detroit. Interesting. Well, they got TJ or what? Who's, they have uh, TJ Hawkinson, and that's about Hawkinson, it as far as yeah. tight ends. Okay, so if he's, I know, like he's not starting there, but he could have a chance to maybe. Um, Greg Bell potentially, because I know the Lions drafted the guy from Nebraska a couple years ago. I think. Uh, I, again, we're terrible with names at the moment. A, I'm trying to pull up the our lads. Well, they they have DeAndre guy. Swift. DeAndre Swift's the number That's one what guy. Is Swift. And they also have they also still have Jamal Williams. But you know, if they're looking for a little bit of added depth, the only guys on the depth chart right now are Craig Reynolds and Godwin Igwebuke. And he kind of fell to favor last year, if I recall. And and like stats, Mullen. if Bell is healthy, like we already know what he's capable of. It's just that, you know, he's been dinged up here and there over the last couple of years. And I think that may have sort of sunk his draft stock a little bit from somebody who could have gotten picked in the in, in the late rounds to somebody who ended up signing as a free agent. But I think he'll have plenty of opportunities to try and win a roster spot in Detroit, which, you know, has plenty of roster spots to compete for. Yeah, Craig Reynolds came from, uh, let's see, practice squad guy. Yeah. So he's a, a younger guy, but you're also, okay, here's the thing too. If you're running back and your number is above 30, you're probably not, you're mostly a fullback. He's number 46. So just say for Craig Reynolds, I could see Bell getting to at least training camp because the first two are said Jamal Williams probably could start on a couple teams or be more true number two. Yeah. Or like a split because what he did Green Bay. So he'd be, Greg Bell be a third guy, but who knows? If you're a third guy, injuries happen like, and then I felt like running back, like look at your guy, Eli Mitchell in Washington, no, Washington, San Francisco. You'll see injuries come out of nowhere and like, oh crap, I got to play. You're down to running back three for two weeks. I don't know if he'll make it, but I think he'll have a, if he's healthy, like what we saw during the 2020 year, like the first three or four games, he was lighting up. And I remember the tweet he deleted where he's like, I'm getting 1,800 yards or something this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other, I think we're going to draft stuff unless you have any final, final thoughts. No, I think I'm good. All right, so we get to uh, the pod system that we talked about about forty minutes ago, or no divisions. Well, okay, so so let's let's set it up first because you know, there was a report from Brett, Brett McMurphy over at Action Network that that used the, the the quote likely. So it is likely that the Mountain West is going to scrap divisions for football in twenty twenty three, to which I say. And you and Brandon are DMs this year. Why not? What's holding you back? You know what I think it is? I think it has to do with the fact that the rotation, like the two-year rotation for interdivision uh, games uh, ends this year. And it's and it's scheduled to flip for next year. So like, for instance, like, you know, Fresno and Boise played this year, but they would not play next year because, you know, Fresno State yeah, would but be who's playing. To say, why can't you still? Why can't you still play the same teams but have no divisions? I don't see why that's the issue. But what I'm saying is like with the rotation set to flip, you know, those interdivision games, 
that it, that that makes for the the cleanest start to be able to just come up with it something does. completely new. I know. Um, so there's not much like look at the details on there because we we did remember this happened in 2020. We're like we're playing whoever we can. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're just doing. They sort they made up this new schedule on the fly. And there's no division to end up being a mountain versus west with uh, San Jose State and uh, Boise playing the San Jose State clearly winning. I, this is there's a couple of reasons this is great because the Big Ten talked about this earlier. Most SEC is going to do it because they're going to 16 teams when they brought in AM and Missouri and all that stuff a while back. You were going to like your first road game against a certain team would be like 10 years into the division or some conference. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to make it where every four years you're going to be able to at least have a home and a road game against everybody in your conference. Mountain West isn't as big, so that's not an issue, but this does a couple of things. It makes, it guarantees you have the best college football games. You have the best champion because I know like, there's only been a couple of times where the same division would have been better suited to play for the title game. Yeah. But way, the way this could be done and you have a different idea than either. I think they're both work well. You just have a, and I'm going to write an article, probably need some more details on it, but like permanent rivals, because my, my thing would be make it simple. You play your five, you play three permanent rivals, and then you rotate the rest of five. Mm-hmm. So, so it's kind of almost the same setup now, a little bit, where you, well, where you play five, your five division games and three cross division games. I think that would be the easy, that's probably what they're going to do, I think. Where you have like who would if you were to pick the three teams for Fresno, Matt would it be Boise, San Diego State, and San Jose State as the three permanent teams? I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, and I don't, I don't have the article that I wrote a few years ago. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But yeah, I think, and if and if not a team like Boise, then probably like Hawaii. Yeah, I think in Hawaii, yeah, because yeah. there's all the trophies they have in the conference. Yeah. And and you know because I think what you're talking about and what I wrote about a few years ago was was mostly a response to you know the idea of contraction being bandied about yeah. and then and then naturally within 12 months San, San Jose State was a was a conference champion sort of yeah. but but of course, at, the, right? at the time you know there was the idea well kick San Jose State out of the conference it's like well okay but you're still going to have teams that win and teams that lose right. And so contraction isn't really an answer. And so what I did instead, I wrote this article in 2019, and it was sort of a, a jumping off point that uh, I believe it was Bill Connolly mm-hmm. who wrote about it. Yes. Um, and, and then uh, Jason Kirk actually sort of expanded upon it. Uh, and if you just, if you, if you run a Google search for, for Bill Connolly pods, I believe it's still the first result. So you can read it by itself because you talk about protected rivalries as being one way of doing it, right? Mm-hmm. But that's that's the key. There is more than one way of doing what we call pods. So you can do it in terms of you know permanent rivalries. I have um, your list here in front of you if you're not if you need some assistance to go through teams. No, no, it's it's okay. So okay. But, but alternatively, you know, you can also do it by like geography, sort of. Yeah. So like rather than having two divisions, you know, you can you could scrap the, the, the divisions, but also sort of cut down on travel costs, you might say. So, which is why, you know, in, in a situation like that, Hawaii would probably be in a, in a three-team pod or four-team pod, quote-unquote, with the three California teams, just because that makes the most sense for them travel-wise. Correct. You have, or Nevada, because Nevada is technically more west than uh, LA. <laughs> yeah. So, Reno is, I should say. 
Yeah. So it's sort of, you know, there's more than one way of doing it. And it's sort of a matter of figuring out what works best for everybody. But like what I'm interested in doing, and I have no idea how they would do this logistically. I love your idea, by the way. It's great. And and again, again, this is, this was off the top of my head within the group DM. And I don't know even how it would happen, but you know, if you're a college basketball fan, you might be aware of what conference USA did a couple of years ago to try to get its best I think teams. they're still doing it. Yeah, they're, oh, they're still, still doing, doing it. it. It's sort of like okay. uh, a period where they're like, they're matching their best teams against each other. And and this is where I yeah. wish you know, our guy Andy was here to sort of uh, you know, talk us through this because he's probably more well, it, familiar with it than I am. Well, what I know it is, well, I don't know how many teams it is, but basically they're taking the top Oh, geez. Yeah, you're right. Probably better for him, but they're taking a, a there's a cutoff line of their best teams to they leave like two. I think it's two games open. Two. It's kind of like if you saw I think Matt Norlander at CBS put up recently too. Yeah. Not the bracket buster, but a week in February where we're going to pit teams where to boost your resume for NCAA tournament. That's kind of the same idea. Yeah. Conference so, State does it within the league. You play a better team. So instead of say in football, say San Jose State when they're bad or UNLV is not very good. Instead of San Diego State playing UNLV as for week like 10 or 11, San Diego State would say play Nevada, but football is different that you only play every team once. And that's where it's a little complicated. Basically you want to play a better team and leave like two weeks open. Is that your idea? Yeah. And, and so what I was thinking is like, you know, I think the most straightforward way of implementing a change like this is you have, you have three protected rivalries. The other five games are just shifted every year. Yeah. And what I was sort of imagining might be the best case scenario is if you have the three protected rivalries, you have three rotation games, and then those final two conference games are like your, your one versus one from you know the, from the teams who sort of come out on top in each of the three pods. So, like for example, just as a hypothetical, if you were going to do geographic pods, so I mentioned you know Hawaii and the three California schools being in one. Yeah, you probably have like a like a like a, a southeastern one, quote unquote, with like UNLV, New Mexico, uh, Air, Air Force, Force and and like Utah the State, let's say. And then you have another one that has like Boise, Colorado State, Wyoming, and Nevada. Let's say that's just like off the top of my head. So like that's basically what you have here. So, so basically, like if if you're San Diego State, for example, you have your three games against Hawaii. Uh, San Jose State and Fresno State. So let's say you go three and zero in those games, and then you also go, you know, three and zero against, you know, Pod three against against the other teams in your rotation. So that would, that would be like you know two teams from one other pod, and, and so it'd be like you'll know, say you know New Mexico, uh, Colorado State, and Wyoming, right? So then what you could do with those last two games is basically like if you're in first place, quote unquote, in your pod, your final two games would be against the other two first place teams. So anybody else who went three and oh, you know, let's say you know, Boise went three and oh in one pod and uh you know Air Force went three and oh in the last one. Um, and I know I'm sort I'm probably losing track of the teams in each pod, but the idea being that like you would give yourself best on best at year's end. And so you wouldn't necessarily feel the pressure to like, you know, backload the rivalries to like the final weekend of the year. You know, you would still be able to put them in a situation where they mean something, you know, late in the year, 
maybe or the opener maybe conference rivalry games week one conference play yeah while all while also reserving like those critical sort of late season games as being those opportunities where you can get a san diego state versus a boise state with a potential conference championship on the line without it necessarily being constrained by like mountain versus west would there be a couple things that i'm just realizing spitballing here We'd want to make sure no rematches in the regular season because that would be mm-hmm. weird. And then yeah, so so like if for example, like if if one team like if if a team in your rotation you know goes three and zero, but like you've already beat them, then you would get the second place team instead. So like let's say you know yeah. Boise State goes um, you know three and zero in their in their own pod, but they already played San Diego State as part of their rotation and they lost, then. San Diego State wouldn't play, play them again. Obviously, they just get the next best team in that pot. You know, whichever team went like two and one, let's say. So, how many permanent games do you have? Because I'm looking at your stuff here, and I'm trying to go through exactly because you're basically spot on what you've been going through. Because I also don't want it to. What would be an issue is a repeat of like Fresno, Boise State. We play back to back. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, there's there's never going to be. I don't think anything that's yeah. necessarily foolproof because. You know, you can have the protected rivalries and then you could have the rest of the teams. Like, like, I think what I wrote about a few years ago, I was trying to, you know, build schedules based off of like, you know, how teams did the previous season. So, so like, for example, a San Diego State wouldn't always necessarily get stuck playing like a, a UNLV team that went winless in conference play the year before. You know, they would get the chance, they, you know, maybe they would play a team that went, two and six instead but you know maybe that ends up being a little better for their strength of schedule overall um or, or same thing with like a, a boise state you know they wouldn't and i think bj rains mentioned this on, on twitter um you know they wouldn't always have to play new mexico let's say you know they could play like a, a middle of the road west team in whatever rotation was set up instead but at the same time you know it could also be set up in such a way that like you know the teams that finished near the bottom of the standings wouldn't always necessarily have to, you know, face the best teams either. So I I set it up in such a way where like, you know, you get like, you know, first place teams versus first place teams. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. one, ones versus twos, ones versus threes, but you wouldn't necessarily have to have ones versus fours. You know, you could have twos versus fours, twos versus threes. So like you're basically your worst teams wouldn't always be stuck playing your best teams. And your best teams wouldn't always be stuck playing one or two of your worst teams either. Yeah, like and, what you have here. And like so, so, it, so it would have the effect of like if your teams are as good as you expect them to be, your best teams are going to be playing in some really high-profile shows to place teams down the stretch. And if you if your worst teams end up being a little better than expected, then that gives them a better opportunity towards like you know getting to six wins, getting to to bowl territory or something like that. Exactly. And so I think it, it and, and I don't think like a rubber band effect is necessarily like the right term for it, but it, I think it enables the teams at the bottom to have sort of an easier climb back to respectability while also enabling the teams that are, that are sort of expected to be near the top, you know, to have a tougher road to climb that is going to be better for their chances, you know, if they have a chance at a big money bowl or something like that. I think another way to do it too, because I'm trying to look through this, you want a rotation so you're still going to play everybody frequently. Like you mentioned one versus four in your scenario, that scenario is not going to happen very often. You don't want it to happen. 
Mm-hmm. But I think one way to do it, I'm just spitballing here. You have pod, you, like I'm looking at your article here, pods by region. Instead of doing three, you do four pods. Yeah. And so, so, so if you so go that, back to, if you go back to that article I mentioned, um, you know, that was written back in 2016, you know, what, what Jason Kirk does is he basically breaks it down a hypothetical one for each of the power five conferences. So what you're talking about is sort of what he described for the ACC, which doesn't have a lot of like true rivalries in the same way that like the SEC does or the, yeah. or the PAC 12 does, or like, you know, he broke down the PAC 12 by, by geography, just because that was the cleanest option for that. But you, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a set number of protected rivalries. It could be three or it could be four. It mostly well, just depends reason- on how, how often you want teams to cycle through the rotation. Well, the reason I'm going to four, because I'm like, I want to try to do two things, avoid a rematch, which we can avoid, mm-hmm. but instead of doing say like in a pot, three pod system, which is just, we're just going a million different. There's always another idea you could find going through this. So I'm not just nitpicking, but it's a like, Three, I'm scoring the team in order: Fresno, Air Force, Boise. Say they all get their three and zero in their pod. Well, I'd want the best teams to play each other. And so, say Boise and Air Force play. Well, who's Fresno going to play? They're not playing the number one team. But my feeling: if you have four pods of three, you would play, you would play six games, 100 for sure against these teams, no matter what. So, like pod one plays pod. So pod one has three teams. So team A would play B and C, obviously. Then they'd play the two other pods completely. I think if my math is right, two, three, four, five, or no. Um, see, I'm, I, it's not written down, but I think if four pods would work clean, so you'd always have the two games you would play would be against the first place in the other pods, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I'd, I'd have to look at it. I'm not visualizing the best I could. Now, see, here, was, here's where I know, might disagree. I don't know that I necessarily want to exclude the possibility of a rematch. Regular because season because rematch, regular because season. think think back to oh, are you talking about a regular season rematch? I'm no, sorry. I regular season. So but you can go on fish, but I'm saying if you have four pods or four groupings, you can put you have group A, B, C, and D. It's like in any bracket play, like World Cup or something. Okay, yeah, because I was thinking a, I was thinking like a if, if your if your top B1. two teams ended up you know having played each other in sometime in the regular season, I think you know that's it's not necessarily yeah. a bad thing that they meet up again no, in a championship fine. game. Yeah. And I think you, you don't have to look any further than 2017 and 2018 for that. Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of weird that Fresno State, you know, beat Boise State at home that first year and then had to go to Boise the following week. But yeah. you know, both of those teams both of those games were really good games. You know, same thing with the two games that those teams played the following year. And so yeah. I think I think what this does ultimately is it avoids something like you described earlier. Like, I think it, it makes it harder for something like 2014 to happen again, which was the year where there were, there were four 10 win teams in the mountain division, but Boise got stuck playing, you know, six and seven Fresno state team or six and six Fresno state team. (laughs) Very few, but I think if we could do it, like my, uh, I'd have to write it down and look at it, but like, if you could have like a one plays D one, B one plays C one. And then, whatever and they they all play each other that's you can play a one plays well you, you know what i'm getting that because i do you know play the first that, place yeah. i like without looking at it right i'm like i'm probably rambling but you just you do it that way so if it's if my thinking's correct you would it wouldn't be a rematch or guess what there's another way you can do it if you do happen to play because if there's three team three total teams in your group you would play group one would pod one and play Pod one will play two and three at six games. Mm-hmm. And then you, then what you can do, you can match up the pod you don't play 
So like pod one didn't play pod four. So pod one champion, best record would play pod four best champion. Mm-hmm. And then you can go one versus one, two versus two, three versus four. And then you could do one, two, one versus two, then three versus four. Does that make sense? <laughs> this would probably be a lot easier to visualize in writing, but well, I know, I, know. I, I point think being, I'm so, following, but I'm also I'm I'll also make sort I'll of make, like I I, I'll make it good here real quick. So you, there's one pod you don't play in four groupings, okay? And so and you can work it because, like I said, one in one place, two and three, and if there's three total teams, like teams, that's if you're playing the two other pods, you're playing your pod. That's two games, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, my math's wrong. Never mind. I'm not gonna go there. We're done. I'm gonna write it down, look at it. But there's a way where you where you don't play one pod, and that's who you would play for that final two weeks. I think I'm correct, but we're getting too crazy. People are like, I don't see what you're doing. Write it on a piece of paper for me. However, I think the ultimate goal for this, whether it's you do flex scheduling the final week, or maybe it's just one game. Maybe that's the easiest way. Do one flex game at the final game of the season, or maybe the week before, like you keep rivalry week the final weekend. The week before is you play the best teams available at the moment. And you know if you're home or road or not because that's your specified home or road game. And then I think the ultimate goal on this, what we both agree, Matt, is you get the best two teams regardless. Yes. So we're just trying to be fancy to make it more to boost a SOS thing. Yeah. Plus, I think it's a good idea. I mean, if it's it's likely to happen, I hope it does happen. It just makes too much sense. And and you can still make it where you're still playing. You can still do the similar rotation, depending on how they set up. But you would still have a rotation of, I honestly think the most simplest way would be, here's some protected rivalries, and then five games, three three protected teams you play no matter what, and then the other five you rotate. And it's basically the same rotation you have now, but there could be a time where you're a team where, let's say a rival, like here's a good example, Boise State, who would their rivals be? Because they have rivals for the West teams. So there could be a point where they'd play technically outset now. They'd play fewer mountain teams than normal in a given year. Because who would, who would you put for Boise State? Nevada, Fresno, and San Diego State? I mean, if we're talking in terms of rivalries, yeah, probably. Yeah. I and mean, so I, don't, I, don't know why Broncos, I don't know why Broncos fans wouldn't want to keep beating up on Colorado State, though. I don't know, but I want a rival to be competitive, but nice shot there as well. Uh, you have here, you what you wrote, which is Fresno, Utah State, Wyoming. But my point being, there could be who cares if you're always playing the same teams, and that would be also a brutal, a brutal schedule. We're playing Fresno, San Diego State, and Nevada, assuming mm-hmm. Nevada gets back what they were. But it's fine. Like I, I'm all in favor. It's just there's probably a, a dozen scenarios that'll be worked out, and we're gonna think of some crazy ones. But I honestly think the best one would be here's three, maybe four teams you play all the time because again do you want travel do you want rivalry do you want to play a weird quarterfinal semifinal game like do you want to end the season early Matt, and have a semifinal lead to title game? that'd be exciting right like you'd lead up all right final weekend top four play each other winners go to title game and the rest they it's like what the pac 12 tried to do or they did do during the covid year to get one extra game mm-hmm. they had championship week of which i would love doing that in every conference get an extra game where you could play games thursday friday and saturday play two games a night CBS would want that. Fox would want that. But why not do maybe do that? But it's but where you have the top four teams, one versus four play, two versus three play, and then five through twelve, they match them up. Maybe just number order, mm-hmm. like five. Say there's divisions. Like let's just say I know we're getting way off topic here. 
let's say there's divisions, you have one versus one play each other. Just going down the list where there's a semifinal leading to the championship weekend. Wouldn't that be more exciting? That'd do the same thing we're talking about, but probably even easier than trying to finagle our if we wrote it down, we'd understand what's going on. I do you think that's a possibility? Why not just do a semifinal matchup? Who says you can't do that? That's a good question. Would you, do you like do? Are you a fan of that idea? Because I think that'd be fun. Yeah, I don't see why not. Okay, I'm just saying I want better. I want more competitive football and better football, and so that's where I'm at. But I think we've exhausted our options here before people start pulling up the uh, Charlie uh, red string thing because we're crazy. Yeah, at the moment, <laughs> without looking at it, it's like what? And so, all right, so that's it for this show. MWR.com draft stuff. We're gonna probably put a couple articles up on this. We might what I what made you imagine is maybe re- update yours possibly or somehow or kind of pull some of it and kind of combine it together because it's basically what I was looking at writing anyway. So yeah, I might just write something new to be honest. Yeah, we'll see. We'll do a couple of things on there. So we are coming to a time where I know this is probably a better offline conversation, but isn't our first preview like in a couple of weeks we got to work on? Uh, I got to put the calendar together, but I am I'm I'm almost certain it's by the end of the month we're going to be into team previews. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to guarantee for our next show. I'm not saying when, but have you seen, like, I'm pretty sure you've read all the uh, NIL stuff, the all the meetings out West have been going on with the college football and everything. Yeah. Have you been uh, keeping an eye on that at all? Sort of, yeah. Where they're looking to, like, uh, transfer portal window. I think that's our next show to do because I have a good way to make college football good without being screwed with NIL paint. Paying alleged, okay, air quotes, some quarterback who totally is not from California, Tennessee, going to make a lot of money. <laughs> I think that would be something inter- interesting to do before we get to our total uh, preview show. So 